Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we are coming back to that most timeless of topics, UFOs. As you may remember from an episode we did, I think it was last summer, summer of 2019, we covered uh, the uh, UFO hearings in uh, the U.S. Congress in uh, the United States Senate when uh, that became, you know, a uh, really explicit news item that had some people scratching their heads. And we went through really a whole lot of information. I think we also covered alien stock, um, didn't we, at that time? Yeah, briefly. And uh, some alien movies and things. But today, you know, there have been more, there's been more UFO stuff in the news in the past few months here. And uh, some new developments that are really interesting. So we thought we would come back and uh, and cover that as well. Yeah, and there's a couple of things I stumbled on we'll get into later. I was kind of curious to see uh, how much UFO activity there really is. And it might surprise you how much is going on around you in the in the night skies and even in the daylight sky. But yeah. uh, they changed uh, UFO, Unidentified Flying Object, to UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And I don't know, I don't, I don't really see the UAP catching uh, catching on. I don't see many people using that instead of UFOs. Yeah, we've so had I, quite a few decades of using UFOs, so yeah, so I think it'll probably UFOs remain in popular usage. Yeah. So um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to rehash all of the stuff that we talked about in the previous episode because I think it was a really good episode and really goes through uh, very specifically a lot of that information. But we may revisit a salient point here and there. So I thought we would start by really laying out the just the the facts of what has just occurred. You know, before we get into some speculation and, and interpretation and stuff, right. just the the really basic info that has come out since uh, earlier this year. I think this all started in February, if I'm not mistaken. It was like February and then like in isn't, April and May and then in June. Isn't some, that when something. the uh, coronavirus started? Do you think there's a correlation between <laughs> these two things? There, There is a high probability that the timing of these releases was politically motivated in some way. I don't want to get mm-hmm. into that so much, but... Pure coincidence. As with all UFO um, conspiracies and things, there's always a political element. So, uh, you know, that's that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But I thought, yeah, we would just start off with laying out the basic information, uh, the order in which it happened. You know, without getting too, like, drawn out about it, I just want to make sure everybody understands, you know, very clearly what's been going on with the release of this information and and, you know, some of the effects of it uh, in the past several months. And then we can get into uh, some further details on some interesting stuff like uh, materials that have allegedly been recovered from some of these UAPs slash UFOs and some some interesting people that are involved and what they uh, have to say about things. Yeah. So and also uh, we are recording this on August 2nd, 2020. Some of you may already know this, but if not... Get your calendars out and mark next year's, uh, because July 2nd is actually World UFO Day. So perhaps in the future we can all be a little more timely and do this stuff on UFO Day. Or release an episode on UFO Day. But yeah, if you're into UFOs, 
July 2nd. Look into it. Might be some cool stuff going on in your neck of the woods regarding aliens and yeah, we may have we may have missed uh, we may have missed uh, the the calendar opportunity <laughs> there, but uh, but here we are, here we are. So all right, so let's get started. So okay, so again, let's let's start out with some basic information. Okay, and it and it took a little while to put this all together in a chronological order uh, because you know different articles focus on different things. But here we go. All right, <clears throat> so let's start in December 2017. When the New York Times and the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences published three videos that seemed to be from Navy aircraft showing UFOs, or as they're now called, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Nope. The videos had been obtained, as far as I'm able to ascertain, through an unauthorized release, which I think means that they were leaked illegally, but these were also not videos that were actually classified or right. you know maybe they were obtained through a FOIA request a freedom of information act request and so there's three of these videos two of them for were from i think january of 2015 and the locations were not released but then the other one is the is the tic tac video that we talked about in our previous uh episode which was i think in like 2004 or something right uh off the coast of virginia was and it was an aircraft based in the uh, uss nimitz and that was lieutenant uh, Fraber. uh i don't have a great mind for names so you're probably yeah, I think right he was a pilot <laughs> so um as you might know there was a lot of interest about these about these videos and that only intensified after news of UFO briefings in the U.S. Senate due to increased activity over U.S. military bases. And by increased activity, I mean, like, these things were showing up in the vicinity of and, like, directly overhead U.S. military bases, like, all over the place. Yeah. So uh, then the government, the United States government, confirmed that these three videos were, in fact, Navy videos. And that was kind of what got, like, all the buzz going before because for the first time you have these strange videos and then and then the you know the navy saying yeah yeah we we recorded those but then they wouldn't they didn't actually say anything about what they were or anything else and so you know debate and conspiracy theories raged on okay so that brings us to april 27th of this year 2020 and and by the way between you know when that all that was raging on and uh you know april of this year you know there was there were people coming out talking a little bit about this stuff but in kind of a a vague or a secretive way like that like that guy uh Luis Elizondo who I think we actually played a clip of his interview with CNN on our previous episode. Yeah. And he was talking about how he worked for AATIP uh the basically which was basically the Pentagon UFO program and uh, a bunch of information about that check out our uh, previous episode. So that brings us to April 27th this year 2020. So at that time the Department of Defense authorized the official release of those three videos and confirmed that the footage is not only real Navy footage, but that the aerial phenomena in them is indeed unidentified. So they said, yes, the footage is real. Yes, we're authorizing the release of these unclassified videos. And by the way, those things you're looking at are not identified. Okay. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're not of this earth or doesn't necessarily mean they it are. It doesn't mean they're piloted by little green men and doesn't mean they're not piloted by little green men. You know, or just, mutated just, midgets. 
They're just saying that they're not identified. Okay, so I just wanted to mention, you know, I saw several articles kind of marveling about the role of Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 in the authorized release and confirmation of these videos. And I was like, okay, wait, what is this connection? And so I started reading into it, and I haven't found anything super specific about it except for the fact that he co-founded the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, which, you know, originally published these videos along with the New York Times. And by the way, there is an interesting article in the New York Times where he kind of describes how he went from, like, being a musician in Blink-182 to getting involved in all of this stuff and co-founding the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. There's also another article I, I read Actually, there's there's a bunch of articles about it, and if you go – we're not going to get into Tom DeLonge in this episode, but I just wanted to mention that, like, the story that he has told from the beginning about getting into this stuff with the UFOs and co-founding this organization is, like, really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. And it's it would be a whole episode in and of itself. In fact, you know, we might even consider doing that because he, he's talked so much about – Uh, The connections that that organization has to the military and some strange stuff that happened. And um, I would just encourage people to check it out if you're interested. So I'm I'm really sure this is just uh, like a ploy for him to get material for his next album. And he's probably going to put out (laughs) put out like a double album like Smashing Pumpkins did with Melancholy and the Infinite, Infinite Sadness. But, uh, yeah, Tom DeLong, he actually, I'm trying to, I was trying to look it up while you were talking, but he's always been really into space. His band's name is Angels to Airwaves, the band he's in now. And, uh, right. he actually made a movie and it was called Love. And I was trying to look it up to get more information on it to talk about that real quick. But, uh, it's all about like this guy in space and it deals like he's, trapped on a space station or something and that deals with how people connect and communicate and how that falls apart when you're all alone. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting oh, that's movie. That's right. Didn't you I thought you you know what? I think you like told me about that album when it came out. Yeah, he well he did a music album to go along with the mu- the movie too. He did new songs for that. But it's an inter- interesting watch if you're into the Toms and the DeLongs. Yeah, in fact, I want to share a quote from this article that I was reading about him, just a really brief one because it's kind of it's pretty interesting. Uh, it was an article from The Drive, and I'll make sure that this uh, that this link is in our uh, show notes for this episode. <laughs> okay, here's the quote. <clears throat> Yet one of the most fascinating but seldom discussed elements of this whole story is how to the stars Academy of Arts and Sciences came to be and who the mysterious people were that had a direct hand in making it a reality, even by its principal founder's own bizarre yet highly detailed account, which you will read in full in a moment. It sounds far more akin to the making of a tightly controlled government information and psychological operation than the result of a group of highly qualified people who are interested in accessing new insights on the subject of UFOs. So actually, that's only that's only one of several interesting quotes from several articles about it. One of them said something like, well, he's either lying or taking part in some government psyops program or he's, you know, telling the truth about something super bizarre because he's been uh, totally consistent from the beginning. Right. So, OK. So with that said about Tom DeLong, 
<laughs> I just want to mention it because it's such a strange little piece of this puzzle, you know? Yeah, it's like he literally went off stage and just put his money into this uh, To The Stars Academy, and now he's... I don't even think... I don't even know if he's still recording music. He's just all space and exploration and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the... Um... Actually, maybe maybe now's a good time to talk quickly about the To The Stars Academy. They have a couple of different divisions, okay? And one of them is like they have a science and technology division. They have a material science research division and an entertainment division, hmm. right? So it's a new record they, label. Yeah, well, so they're – you know, they're concerned with creating film, television, books, music, and merchandise. Yeah, and that uh, Luis Elizondo, he's actually one of the directors of one of their uh, branches. He, yeah, he is now, for sure. Yeah, I, we're going to talk about that, too. So, let's see. Fans of TTSA's vast entertainment brands find themselves immersed in exciting stories that inspire a new understanding and appreciation for the profound mysteries of the universe. Okay, cool. There's a lot of stuff at their website. I'd encourage people interested in this sort of thing to go check it out. Okay, so with all of that said, so why is it that, you know, between like last summer and this, what is it, this April, the end of this April, the, the DOD came out and said, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, we're authorizing the release. This stuff is real. These are UAPs. Like, why would they do that? So just setting aside like, you know, political misdirection and things like that, right? Yeah, because they're basically, yeah, yeah, admitting that they are UFOs and they don't know what they are. And, you know, so it's the government actually coming forward and being more open all of a sudden, more than well, they have you know, been. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, and I can read the, the exact reason they gave because they had a, they had a press release. Mm-hmm. So here is the statement by the Department of Defense on the release of historical Navy videos, April 27th, 2020. It's a brief statement. The Department of Defense has authorized the release of three unclassified Navy videos, one taken in November 2004 and the other two in January 2015, which have been circulating in the public domain after unauthorized releases in 2007 and 2017. The U.S. Navy previously acknowledged that these videos circulating in the public domain were indeed Navy videos. After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm. DOD is releasing the videos in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. The aerial phenomena observed in the videos remain characterized as unidentified. The release videos can be found at the Naval Air Systems Command FOIA reading room uh, with a link. Okay, so basically they're saying is like, look, there's been a lot of buzz about this. <laughs> and, you know, let's just clear up the fact that, like, these videos are real and the objects in them are unidentified. Uh, whereas before they said, yeah, you know, the Navy recorded them, but we're not going to say anything else. Yeah, and that's, that's a lot better than, you know, every time... It was probably every other year, every 18 months or so, there'd be this new UFO video that popped up on YouTube or all over the web, and people freak out and lose their minds. Then after about four or five days, 
you got you start to get the graphics guys in on it and they're like oh no you can see how this is cgi because that palm tree is the exact same as that palm tree and this and that and they <laughs> right, right. pull it apart but this is actually the government stepping forward and going yeah it's real and it's the first time that that, that this has ever happened i mean it seems like kind of a subtle you know, uh, distinction and maybe not that big of a deal. It's actually a big deal. And we're going to get to why that is a little bit later uh, with some quotes uh, in an interview from Louise Elizondo and others. So, um, you know, in other words, we are living in Agent Mulder's wet dream right now. <laughs> More or less. Okay. So um, that's an all uh, X Files uh, reference. If yeah. If you don't get that, that, just turn this uh, episode off. Come back. Later. <laughs> well, you know, not everybody's watched the X Files. And think about it, man, how old that show is now. I mean, it was on in the 90s. I think it came out in like 91 or 93. I guess it had a couple of new seasons recently, but I haven't watched them yet. Um, okay. Anyway, anyway. So then. On June 17th, the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence submitted its Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021 to Congress. So buried in a subsection on pages 11 and 12 of the report is a directive for the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force at the Office of Naval Intelligence to, quote, standardize collection and reporting, end quote, of UAPs from across all intelligence services in the U.S. It also mandates that 180 days after the act is enacted, uh, that's literally the words they use after the, you know, the act is enacted. Enact the act of enacting. <laughs> yeah. The, the DNI, uh, Department of Naval Intelligence, is to submit a report to Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees. And here's the, here's the kicker, guys. The report shall be submitted in unclassified form but may include a classified annex. So the bulk of the report is going to be unclassified. How so much they'll public. actually release, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but it, I, I'm sure they'll release some stuff. Uh, well, at least it seems likely right now. Who knows, you know, if the world is even, you know, maybe we'll just be a big smoking crater in space uh, by next year at this point. We who can knows? only hope. <laughs> right. Anything's got to be better than this. But I'm sure that it will, you know, come accompanied with some classified uh, stuff that only like the senators can see. Okay, so that happened. And by the way, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, or UAPTF, is essentially the same thing as the AATIP, but with a different name. And we'll we'll get into exactly how that came to be. Now, Luis Elizondo, who we have already mentioned and talked about a lot in our previous UFO episode. Now, he worked for like 10 years at the secretive AATIP, which uh, they've been calling ATIP in the news videos I've been watching. Just so he so he um, worked at ATIP for like 10 years and then he retired in October 2017. Yeah. So he actually confirmed in an interview with The New York Times that the UAP task force evolved from the ATIP. And he told The New York Times, quote, it no longer has to hide in the shadows. It will have a new transparency. So technically, this is Space Force. You know, no, Space Force is Space Force. Space Force, Space Force. You yeah, don't think yeah. they're going to be like uh, hand in hand? Oh, who knows? I mean, they'll probably have some operations hand in hand. Boots on the moon. Uh, so Luis is now the director of government programs with the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. And, you know, it does say in one of the articles I read that he was involved with the release of the videos you know, from uh, those Navy videos to the to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. So 
which makes sense because he retired from government service like two months before that initial unauthorized release of the Navy videos. Right. That's the basic info. Now, we're also going to get into I mean, we can have a discussion about it now, but just as a heads up. We're going to get into this guy who was quoted in the recent New York Times article, Eric W. Davis, who's an astrophysicist uh, who worked as a subcontractor and a consultant for the Pentagon UFO program. We're going to have a couple other quotes from a couple other people. We're going to talk about these mysterious materials that that supposedly have been recovered from these things. And then we're getting we're going to get into a little bit more detail on some of this other stuff. So, yeah, but I mean, like based on. Based on what I just said, like what what are you thinking, Jess? What's what's on your mind about this? I am really interested in seeing what these uh, different organizations are going to do moving forward, because they basically, you know, they're stepping up and saying, yeah, we're now we're part of the government, basically, and we are on the search for extraterrestrials and identifying these unidentified things and. It's going to be real interesting to see in the next couple of years what they find and what they share. And who knows? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's what they share, I think, is going to be it's a big question because I think there is a good argument to be made that not only the timing of these releases, but the fact that they were released at all right. is, um, I mean, beyond uh, things that would normally be publicly available about like the agenda of like the, the Senate select committees meetings and things like that. But I mean, just the fact that this information was, was released at all and its timing. I mean, there's a good argument to be made that there were politicians in our federal government that decided it would be politically advantageous uh, to release at these times, uh, perhaps to take up news cycle hours instead of, uh, you know, news cycle hours covering other things. Right. Well, Trump's um, going to need that extraterrestrial vote, you know. He's really well, not... <laughs> campaigning for it. Well, you know, I mean, of course. <laughs> but no, no, no. I, I, I don't want to, like, really, like, head down that rabbit hole because we're right. concerned with the UFO stuff. But, you know... Uh, I just want to mention it only because, you know, historically, there has certainly been a lot of uh, speculation about, you know, the politics of these sort of UFO conspiracies. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody that, that you know, enjoys wearing their tinfoil hat, uh, I just wanted to bring that up. But uh, we're going to leave that aside as we move forward. But, yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point in terms of it's going to be real interesting to see what they release. And, and actually, the, other, the only other reason I brought that up is because it makes me wonder whether, you know, if we move into next year and we have, say, different politicians in our federal government, is it a situation where they'll just kind of make it all hush-hush again? Right. You know what I mean? Or is it is it actually going to lead us into an era of new transparency? And that's that's another thing, too. It's like these videos that they released you know got released earlier you know unbeknownst to them and without permission so maybe the people in charge of that might uh, have access to more stuff that might leak out too and i I have to say i'm really really super fuzzy on what it means that the the initial release of these videos was unauthorized right right i don't I have not been able to find as yet a satisfactory 
explanation and my I have a feeling that it might get into like legal descriptions that I'm not really qualified to d- interpret right. and and things like that but it, it is interesting to to wonder about that but one would think that if Luis Elizondo was involved in that you know does that mean that his retirement was more of a forced retirement does it mean that he was like, I'm out, and he took the papers, you know, the disc with him or whatever, or is it... Because it also said that they weren't classified. So I'm assuming what happened was either it was leaked or, and this is maybe more likely, Luis Elizondo or the To The Stars people or someone else made like a Freedom of Information Act request and they got these unclassified things, but then initially, you know, the government just didn't comment on it at all until they were like, fine, the Navy recorded them, but we're not saying anything else. And then, you know, cut to a year later after like, you know, some people who are actually paying attention to this, (laughs) or hair is on fire and they're like, what's going on? They're like, fine. It's like the footage is real and we can't identify those objects. So that's that's kind of the way uh, that I see it right now. But, yeah, I certainly I I certainly. In fact, you know what? So since we're talking about this, you know, you can actually go and read the freaking um, you can go and read the the, uh, Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021 online. And uh, I can actually put that link in our show notes as well. Sweet. But if yeah, if you go down to like page, what is it like 11 or something? You can I'll just read like a really brief part because like to see this in like an official public, you know, government document is kind of mind blowing. I mean, you and I grew up in the age of like when the X-Files was really, you know, the hot show on TV. And, you know, not just that it was like the hot show on TV, but it was there. There was a lot of like speculation about UFOs and stuff, and it was totally secretive. And to, to the best of my knowledge, like. You know, you've probably heard of Project Blue Book, which was supposedly the government's like yeah. program to track UFO activity and, you know, investigate it throughout the years since like Roswell. And uh, <laughs> that they wouldn't even acknowledge its existence, you know. Right. So, OK. So if you go down to page uh, the bottom of page 11 on this report, there's a section titled Advanced Aerial Threats. So I'll just read a couple snippets of it. So the very beginning goes. The committee supports the efforts of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force at the Office of Naval Intelligence to standardize collection and reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon, any links they have to adversarial foreign governments, and the threat they pose to U.S. military assets and installations. However, the committee remains concerned that there is no unified, comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomena, despite the potential threat. The committee understands that the relevant intelligence may be sensitive. Nevertheless, the committee finds that the information sharing and coordination across the intelligence community has been inconsistent, and this issue has lacked attention from senior leaders. So, uh, as you can see, it's kind of starting... It's warming up to this idea that what they're going to mandate is that they standardized like the reporting and collection of this data and, you know, submit a report to Congress about it. And actually, I think I will read the rest of it because it's not very long. And it's also, like I said, kind of mind blowing. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's let's get through it and then discuss. Okay. Resuming quote. Therefore, 
The committee directs the DNI in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of such other agencies as the director and secretary jointly consider relevant to submit a report within 180 days of the date of enactment of the act. See, that's Mm -hmm. that's their words to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, also known as anomalous aerial vehicles, including observed airborne objects that have not been identified. AAVs. Yeah. The committee further directs the report to include, one, a detailed analysis of unidentified aerial phenomena data and intelligence reporting collected or held by the Office of Naval Intelligence, including data and intelligence reporting held by the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. And this, to my knowledge, is the first time that this uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force has ever been mentioned by name in any public document. Right. Um, Two, a detailed analysis of unidentified phenomena data collected by A, geospatial intelligence, B, signals intelligence, C, human intelligence, and D, measurement and signals intelligence. Three, a detailed analysis of data of the FBI, which was derived from investigations of intrusions of unidentified aerial phenomena data over restricted United States airspace. Uh, I'm waiting for your call on the show, Agent Mulder, (laughs) Special Agent Mulder. Uh, Four, a detailed description of an interagency process for ensuring timely data collection and centralized analysis of all unidentified aerial phenomena reporting for the federal government, regardless of which service or agency acquired the information. Five, identification of an official accountable for the process described in paragraph four. It'll be interesting if they uh, release who that official is. Uh, six, identification of potential aerospace or other threats posed by the unidentified aerial phenomena to national security and an assessment of whether this unidentified aerial phenomena activity may be attributed to one or more foreign adversaries. Seven, identification of any incidents or patterns that indicate a potential adversary may have achieved breakthrough aerospace capabilities that could put United States strategic or conventional forces at risk. And eight, recommendations regarding increased collection of data, enhanced research and development, and additional funding and other resources. The report shall be submitted in unclassified form, but may include a classified annex. End of quote from this report. So so what do you think? Well, uh, they a couple of those, you know, they're talking about the threat of aliens. And it's like, I would have to assume, you know, out of all the stuff we've seen so far, which is very little, there has to be entire, you know, rooms at the Pentagon or wherever where they have all this information on stuff. You know they're going through it. Um, I'm just wondering. I think that's the uh, warehouse where they keep the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you just need that one scene in the movie where Charlie Day comes running in, screaming in his high-pitched voice, you know, that he, he figured it out. And if you don't know, Charlie Day is from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The little squeaky one. <laughs> is but, this uh, the episode where he has the wall of like uh, conspiracy? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's got everything string and everything. Yeah. And I've nailed it. But uh, yeah, as far as a threat, I would think they'd be able to determine by now if there's a threat. I haven't heard of really any attacks or anything. Uh, on the military, but then again, would we have heard anything about it? Well, I guess it, that kind of depends on how visible it was, at yeah, least in if, my mind. If, but if they do stumble upon a threat, that's probably the perfect time to clamshell that. You know, well, there was down and not talk. About there it. was a 
Yeah. Well, there was a quote from, I think it was Senator Marco Rubio, and we covered this in our last episode on UFOs, but I just want to mention it because it's kind of germane to what you were talking about, which is that, you know, when he was uh, asked for a quote about this by, I think it was like a CBS affiliate or something, uh, he said, uh, he said, well, I, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but he said something to the effect of like, well, you know, if it if it happens to be, you know, the Russians or the Chinese or some, you know, some somewhere else in the world, especially an adversary, you know, we want to know that it's them. <laughs> we want right. to know we want to know why there's suddenly such an uptick in activity of these uh, UAPs specifically in the vicinity of U.S. military sites. Right. And so uh, while I may not agree with Marco Rubio about a whole lot of stuff, um, not that I follow him very closely, (laughs) but that is a really good point. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like I would assume that the U.S. has probably some of the best, you know, air technology, land, water, and air technology for that matter. So you'd think if they're seeing this stuff, they're – probably mostly able to write it off that it isn't China or Russia because how is this even possible? You know, the flight patterns they're seeing and the speeds and this and that. So it does defy our current understanding of physics. I mean, that's that's part of why it's so eerie and potentially threatening. Right. Is because like, look, if these things as they appear to be are indeed under intelligent control, we don't. Uh, maybe a succinct way to put it would be: We don't want that intelligence to be pissed off at us. <laughs> yeah, they're and faster than us. They can fly farther than us. They can do all this other stuff. They could. They are fly circles they around armed? us. Yeah. Are they yeah, armed? And, are they weapons? And exactly. And if their if their aerospace capabilities are as, as advanced as what you know we're witnessing, like what could their weapons be like? I mean, Jesus, we don't want to find that out. Right. Well, I mean, we would want to know without them using it on us. Yeah. We don't need Mars accurate. attacks. Right. Oh, God, that's a hilarious movie. So the the short of it, I guess, is that like, it, yeah, it, it's possible, although it kind of seems unlikely. Well, it, it's unlikely in a sense, but it's also the most likely. <laughs> it seems more likely than aliens in a way. Right. But on the other hand, it's like. Seriously, uh, if the Chinese possible? or the Russians, for example, had this type of technology, you know, wouldn't they have put it into more common use by now or or what's going on? I mean, it's just so mysterious. Like, yeah. And right? like one, of, one of the uh, the filters they have on this, the aircraft, they can use thermal imaging, you know, so they're looking at some of these things flying around. I think like uh, specifically the Tic Tac uh, UAP, uh, that one they were looking at with thermal and it was mm-hmm. colder than the surface of the ocean. You know, which was the backdrop as this thing was flying around. So, I mean, no one knows of any fuel on this planet or an engine or something that can... There's no indication of what the propulsion was at all. Yeah, the thing's running cold. So how do you do that and not create heat? So, yeah, Yeah, it's it's... I mean, I mean, there's also the possibility in this we we kind of we discussed quite a bit in our previous UFO episode, which is that like, OK, what if it's actually some like advanced prototype that the United States is testing? Right. Right. You know, one imagines that if that were the case, it would not be presented to the Senate in a context of 
holy crap, what are these? We have to be really concerned because they're over our military sites. But on the other hand, if you think about it, like, wouldn't that be the perfect, like, cover story? Right. <laughs> to test you out know? your new technology. And be like, oh, yeah. wait, we don't know what this is. What it's if it's a weather Chinese? It's a drone. Nope, it's <laughs> right. a bomb. So there's so many questions. And, and like, look, okay, so so we, we actually have a friend um, who will remain unnamed who is involved in some type of military intelligence, although he is, uh, you know, his work is completely unrelated to this and he has zero, you know, information aside from the information available to us, like online. Right. He doesn't have the Tom DeLong backstage pass. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, we, you know, just in like, you know, conversations as, as friends and like BSing about whatever, like this is a topic that came up since it's in the news. And, you know, he did make some good points, which is basically like, look, just because, they're classified as UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena, you know, that just because they're unidentified doesn't mean they're being piloted by aliens from another world. Right. You know, it could be that they are, you know, somehow breakthrough technology from the Chinese or the Russians or something like that. Or, you know, it's also possible that these are some kind of weird natural phenomenon that we just don't have a handle on right now. Right. Right. I mean, if you if you're in the jungle and you discover a new species of bird, that's a UFO. You know, it's an unidentified. You don't know what it is, you know, for the new car drives by. I mean, who knows? It could also be it could also be, you know, these unidentified objects that we're seeing. I mean, there is also kind of a a theoretical scientific argument that you could make uh, uh, that I've read a little bit about and and uh, and we talked about that like these are simply simply is maybe not the right word but these could be protrusions into three-dimensional space of you know higher dimensional objects and beyond that what that means I have no freaking clue <laughs> but it's a matrix it's, slipping through it's part of the alternate reality I mean ju- that's ju- I mean really I think the point is that like okay if you're able to somehow rule out that these aren't, you know, earthly phenomenon of like, you know, some countries, you know, advanced aerospace program, then it really points out that that we know so little about the universe still. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, compared to uh, what there is to know. And, th- that you know, this is part of the reason that I find this fascinating. Like, look, like I've always wondered about UFOs and I saw one as I think I related in right. our previous UFO episode and uh you know I do believe that aliens exist somewhere in the universe I don't know that they've they been able to. to come visit us but you know I'm not ruling it out and yeah and and so I, I find all this stuff really fascinating now since we're kind of on the topic of like what they might be or what they might not be there was this interview with Lou or Luis Elizondo on a uh, a medium post and uh, I I can't remember if it would the, the post was like part of some other publication or anything but somehow they got you know an interview with him and they asked him they said um, I'm gonna read the question and the answer because it's a really fascinating response to sort of like the the I guess maybe the skeptical dismissive crowd mm-hmm. so they they asked uh, some astrophysicists say we could simply be seeing atmospheric effects reflections or bugs in the display systems of fighter jets how much room are you allowing for this as a legitimate possibility for the phenomena in the video and his answer is this 
This is the first thing we looked at, all the types of conventional aircraft and drones and rockets, missiles, helicopters, anything that flies, we would look at it. But one can say, sure, there's an infrared flare or there's a reflection off the camera lens, but this doesn't explain eyewitnesses seeing it with the naked eye. Right. It also doesn't explain the radar return. You can't have a radar lock on an atmospheric condition. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was a really uh, reasonable answer, <laughs> you know, and you can hear in these videos the pilots like freaking out, like, you know, really wondering what the heck this thing is that they're seeing. Yeah. And like some of these guys, you know, they've been flying these aircraft around for 20 plus years and then like 16 years into it, whatever, like they see something that, that, that boggles their mind that they can't explain. And, you know, flying around the earth, you got to have seen it all by one point or another. So when something pops up like that, you can really tell, especially in their voices. It's like one of them, they show this craft and it's, it's kind of like a, it almost looks like a top, like it's like saucer shape, but there's like the top and bottom little knobs on it. And they see this thing and they're following it. And it's just like, as it's flying, it's just like, it's like rotating. And then stopping and rotating and stopping. You hear the guys go, oh, look at that. Did you see that? You see what it's doing? What is that? You know, so <laughs> yeah. they're like freaking out for real. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, seriously. So before we move on to the materials uh, stuff, which I think is really fascinating, just want to touch on, you know, we mentioned a, a little bit ago how like if you, you know, just kind of read this in passing, it might not seem like that different from what the government was saying before and, you know, why is it a big deal? And uh, Mr. Elizondo had some thoughts about that in the same Medium article. So the question is, uh, do you think the Pentagon's release of the footage gives uh, TTSA, which is to the Stars uh, Academy, more legitimacy in the public eye? And he says, <clears throat> and I quote, <clears throat> It's helped the legitimacy of our mission, which is transparency and discussion about a topic fraught with stigma and taboo. Let's not forget in the last year alone, the Navy has admitted the videos are real and they are identified aerial phenomena, UAP, not just unidentified aircraft. It's a huge win for the American people that we can now have a conversation about UAPs without thinking about Elvis on the mothership or little green men. Uh, whether or not these videos are real is no longer up for speculation. They are real. It is a fact. And the government has finally acknowledged their existence. Now, the Pentagon hasn't taken the further step to say what these UAP are. This is probably a smart thing because we don't have enough data yet to make this determination. Furthermore, you have Congress briefed about the footage and you have the president of the United States acknowledging it's a hell of a video. This should be a testament to where the conversation is going. For many years, this topic was relegated to the fringe. Now this is a discussion we can have around the dinner table and maybe even in the hallways of Congress. Right. So I think that outlines really succinctly how big of a deal this actually is for this type of, you know, inquiry. Yeah. And you know, I think a good tie-in to what we're going to talk about next is uh, I found an article, and I will put the – I'm not going to read anything from it, but I found this article, which was an interview quite a few years ago. Maybe it was in 2012. Uh, I'll have to look. But it was with this guy, Eric Davis, who is – who we're going to read some quotes from next about materials from these UFOs who – basically 
was I think he was being interviewed by the publication and he basically was just talking about why scientists don't talk about this type of inquiry because it's so taboo and it can hurt their careers. And it's like even though there is like enough evidence to like say, yeah, we ought to be looking into this. And a lot of people are understandably, you know, very interested in it. Uh, it's it's you know, it's being kind of a taboo topic in scientific circles because it can screw up your career and it can have, you know, negative personal consequences and stuff. And so I just bring that up because, you know, that was the case before what's recently happened. Right, right. now, I'm not going to say that the, the stigma is going to like go away 100 percent like right away. But this is this is a huge you know turning point for that. Right. So one hopes that uh, like Lou Elizondo said in that uh, in that quote from Medium that like maybe finally we can actually start having more open conversations about this without, you know, people screaming, you know, you're you're a nutcase and, you know, talking about Elvis on right. mothership and all that. Right. So that that's kind of a big deal, I think. What What's what are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. It's like I think you nailed it right there. I mean, it's just something we're still learning about, you know, mm-hmm. so. We obviously want to learn more about who's wearing the Elvis shirt, Elvis shirt on the uh, UFO, you know, and, <laughs> and why they're coming here looking looking to us, or maybe they're just passing by. Who knows? So I want to ask you a question at, as sort of a lead into the next section on these like materials and things, mm-hmm. which is okay. Let's just say hypothetically, you had an encounter with a UFO where you saw it like crash. And uh, as you approach the crash site, you know, you notice that it's got some uh, – there's some debris, right? Like maybe Some debris? Uh, yeah, some debris. You know, maybe uh, uh, you know, it broke up a little bit as it was coming down or as it made impact. And uh, then as you're nearing the craft, uh, you know, you notice the, uh, the men in black jump out of the bushes mm-hmm. <laughs> or whoever the <laughs> – Whoever Tackle quick, me and flash the me federal quick there. response team is. Oh, but right. before they see you, you have a chance to take one of these uh, pieces of material. Mm-hmm. You know what? What do you do? I'd have to. I mean, swallow it or you know, stick it up. Somewhere. Well, I was assuming it's bigger than or, something you can swallow. But I mean, if you know, well, it's got to be enough. Let's to say there's a range them. of sizes. There's a range of sizes. Yeah, I would. Uh, I definitely grab a piece to take home and. You know, I do live in the middle of a cornfield. I don't have a lot of uh, analytical software or hardware that I could use to identify or really analyze anything like that. But, I mean, if it was something like that that got out and I got to the right people, it could be worth millions of dollars and it could really, in the right hands, change humanity's approach, you know, too. You could sell it to the... uh... The war against the, the, to the stars academy. There you go. Right. You could you could get to meet Tom DeLonge, perhaps. Perfect. Maybe I could uh, <laughs> we could do a duet on the upcoming double album. Right. There you go. There you go. But yeah, I mean that would be. I mean to actually see something like that happen in front of your face, that it'd just be like mind blowing. It wouldn't. I probably wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably just stand there going. Duh. Yeah, it, it would be mind blowing. And so the To the Stars Academy, by the way, you know, claims that they have materials in their possession. Right. The New York Times uh, last September, I think it was September 26th, they published this article 
where they were talking about they did an interview with Tom DeLonge and Luis Elizondo. And I'm just going to read another snippet from this article because I think it can just get the facts out there a little more succinctly than I could really quick. So this is really interesting. So in Ju- a quote, in July, the Academy announced the Adam Acquisition and Data Analysis of Materials Research Project, an academic research program focused on exotic material samples from UFOs. Hmm. How will the Academy conduct research on the materials and what exactly is it looking for? They asked Mr. Elizondo, and his response is, we're going to do research employing the scientific method first and foremost. What we've been doing is trying to find the most qualified individuals at the most respectable institutions to conduct scientific analysis. That scientific analysis includes physical analysis. It includes molecular and chemical analysis and ultimately includes nuclear analysis. And here's here's the kicker. They ask, has the Academy gotten its hands on any materials to review? And his answer is certainly just think about that for a second. Yeah. Do you have materials from UFOs? Certainly. Certainly. And, the, <laughs> and then they ask. Oh, yeah, you, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> and then they ask, are you able to share more about that? And he replies, not at this point. We have to let the process take its course. And what we don't want to do is be presumptive either way. The last thing we want to do is jump to any conclusions prematurely. Right. Ultimately, the data is going to decide something, uh, what something is or what it isn't. Uh, And then they ask, the materials come from a variety of sources? And he says, correct. Uh, And they ask, that could be from people finding them all the way to government? And then he replies, sure, fill in the blanks. TTSA does not limit itself as to where it obtains material or information. In that process, we have to be very discerning. As I've said before, there is a difference between something that's truly exotic and something that fell from the alternator of a 1984 Cadillac. Right. That's where that... That entry ends, but which was on a plane. Yeah. But I mean, think about the fact of what this guy is saying in this article, which is they're asking, wait, so you actually have materials from UFOs? And he's he's like, yeah, yeah, we got them. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's got them. It's totally normal. Now, rewind to when we were slightly younger men watching the X-Files back in the the, like the late 90s. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Could you imagine something like this happening then? It would be it would be like the biggest news you could imagine. Oh yeah. It'd be crazy. Yeah. It would be crazy. It's 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 more along the lines of a man digging in the backyard finds a newborn sized chunk of gold. I mean, you this know? is the kind of thing <laughs> where like in that era, you know, based on you know, all the kind of not just like conspiracy theories and stuff from the time, but like what a lot of people were saying about uh, how the government was enforcing secrecy about it. And, you know, frankly, what was in the popular consciousness from shows like The X-Files is like if you could imagine somebody saying that in an interview, like what happens five seconds later is like the men in black storm the building and like take the footage and it, you know, makes its way into this vault where they'll like kill you if you try to get into it. Like, just, right. you know, just that type of admission. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And it might be five years before they say anything else about it, too. You know? Right, right. And then when he says something else about it, he shows up dead the next day. Like, oh, yeah. he had a heart attack, but he's 32 and in perfect health. These he shot himself in the head three times. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, if at least it feels that way to me. I mean, granted, 
it's it's hard for anything to make a dent given all the craziness that is the year 2020, right? Yeah, and also if you <laughs> like, if you got a piece of this, I mean, how do you know it's from UFO? And if it is from UFO and you have the proof of that, how come you only have this little piece? I mean, is it something like you said earlier? Did someone sneak it in? You know, sneak it out of the uh, lockdown. Uh, Area 51, or did someone stumble upon it in the woods 60 years ago? It's like, how do you know exactly what it is if you don't know exactly what it is? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Now, he was, uh, I think, a little more than implying that they had received some of these materials directly from the government. And there's some other article I read and with an interview from him and maybe Tom DeLong too, where, you know, they basically said, look, it's no accident or coincidence that, you know, we are staffed primarily from like ex-military and ex-intelligence people because we still maintain strong ties with those institutions and we work with them. Um, so, you know, and they're they're still even though they're, you know, fairly public, they're they're still keeping a lot of the those details close to the chest, you know. So I think this is a natural moment for us to start talking about these materials from UFOs or UAPs. Right. And one of the more, I don't know if provocative is exactly the right word, but one of the more like sort of noteworthy quotes to come out of the recent stories was uh, this one, I think, originally reported in the New York Times from Eric W. Davis. So again, I'm just going to read a, a brief news snippet and then we can discuss. So I think this was an article published on the 23rd of July this year. Okay, quote, Eric W. Davis, an astrophysicist who worked as a subcontractor and then a consultant for the Pentagon UFO program since 2007, said that in some cases, examination of the materials had so far failed to determine their source and led him to conclude we couldn't make it ourselves. Mr. Davis, who now works for Aerospace Corporation, a defense contractor, said he gave a classified briefing to a Defense Department agency as recently as March of this year, 2020, about retrievals from off-world vehicles not made on this Earth. Again, quote, off-world vehicles not made on this Earth. Resuming quote, Mr. Davis said he also gave classified briefings on retrievals of unexplained objects to staff members of the Senate Armed Services Committee on October 21st, 2019, and to staff members of the Senate Intelligence Committee two days later. Committee staff members did not respond to requests for comment on the issue. <laughs> so is that freaking wild or what? That is wild and what? Um, yeah. It's incredible to think of, you know, off-world vehicles just alone, you know, just to imagine what they could be. And a lot of times, one of the things about aliens, if it is alien, um, why, if it's totally alien, why would we assume they need vehicles, you know? I mean, they could come from somewhere so They could be space whales. Could be space whales, could be boogers, who knows? You know, they could have all sorts of methods of transportation that don't even require locomotion or vehicles. Maybe it's, yeah. who knows? Sure, sure, who knows? And then, you know, an infinite universe, that would have to exist, but somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, you know, um, like, again, 
we have people who are saying to the public. We have information on these things. Who were involved in these programs. Yeah, that like, okay, these are off-world vehicles not made on this earth. We cannot replicate these substances. Like, what? Again, we're living in Special Agent Mulder's wet dream right now. I mean, you know, I actually, God, if they if they're still making like one more season of the X Files, like they got to work this in somehow because I could still see some like additional like, you know, mystery stuff going on behind the scenes. That'd be really oh, fun yeah. to see. And that's the thing too. It's because, you know, no one can identify anything or really figure anything out. So we're all kind of in the dark. So we're all learning this together. Except for a wonder, very small number of people who... Yeah, I wonder if there is an Agent Moeller and an Agent Scully out there that do have, you know, the news from behind the black curtain, you know. that there's If, if you're out, out there, there uh, real-life Agents Moeller and Scully, uh, you could reach us at mechadragonshow <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> and we will talk to you. and Or anybody that has any information, yeah. So millions of listeners. But this is this is just... This is so wild. Uh, It's hard for me to explain. Like, look, if you're, you know, if you're young, younger folks than us, like maybe you're you're Gen Z or, you know, a younger millennial or something like is like I want to know, like, please, like, like text us uh, or, you know, tweet to us on Twitter. Uh, It's uh, at Mecha Dragon Show on Twitter. Email us mechadragonshow at gmail dot com. Hit us up on our Facebook group, Mecha Dragon, like. Does this sound as crazy to you as it does to us? I mean, look, you know, granted, we're in the middle of a pandemic and like all of this other crazy stuff going on in the in the world. But like if you can somehow set that aside for a second, as ridiculous as that sounds, and just look at this on its own, like it seems so crazy to me. Does it seem as crazy to you if you're, a you know, of a of a younger generation that's had to deal with so many different things and you know probably didn't grow up watching the X Files like we did. Like I, I want to know. Yeah, because that's the thing too. I mean, you and me grew up. We had three channels on TV. And two of them were in black and white. You know. And oh, stop. We uh... <laughs> we're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we occasionally would get a movie that came along, like you know, Fire in the Sky, that really blew your mind away and was horrifying at the same time, but. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, there really was no dissemination of information coming from yeah. the government down to us plebes here well, at the bottom. Well, of what the you're barrel. saying is that it really was ubiquitous in popular culture. I mean, it was everywhere in popular culture. I mean, I think especially during when the X Files was on, because that was such a hit show, and it kind of it really penetrated the public consciousness uh, in a way that I don't think it had quite as deeply before. Um, Damn, yeah, that was a good show. And also, uh, it's like, you know, by now, if you've been alive for the past 20 years or so, you have seen some of the most fantastic stories and some of the most fantastic uh, descriptions or uh, shows showing different types of aliens and stuff. And who knows, maybe you can get kind of desensitized to it and maybe younger generations really wouldn't care. But that's why. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Um, yeah. I wonder if there is that desensitization, but I'm sure you have the nerds and the geeks and the dorks that are really into, you know, space stuff. And, you know, like us, they're just, you know, they can't get enough of it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it used to be that it was, you know, everywhere in popular culture, not everywhere, but it was like very, very ubiquitous. And 
there's so much of it. But at the same time, you know, like you were saying, zero official information, you know, right. from the government about it. Like we need to talk to anything. This. You know, it was basically a range from that's ridiculous to we can either confirm nor deny things that, you know, that you're talking about. Like that was the best answer you could possibly get. <laughs> yeah, we just need to talk to the Census Bureau, and next time they come around, they can just add that onto, you know, their their checkoff list. Do you believe in aliens? Okay. Yes. No. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. You and your 2.5 children. Nice yeah. Talk. So, okay. So that's, so that's and, crazy. So and there with was our also... luck real quick with our luck, uh, uh -huh. we will, uh, make contact in 2020 and, uh, much like a war of the worlds situation, the aliens will be highly susceptible to the coronavirus, and they will be a peaceful, intelligent race, and we'll, Wipe them all out with a how ironic misplaced would it be if they possess the technological, uh, you know, capability to make it here from the other side of the galaxy, only to be killed by the freaking coronavirus. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, kind of an irony, but all right. There were there were a couple other comments, uh, just real quickly on this from um, Harry Reid, who is the former Senate Majority Leader from Nevada, uh, and of course Nevada is where Area Fifty One is located. This is correct. So it's just a really uh, brief snippet from, I think, the same New York Times article. Mr. Reed, the former Democratic senator from Nevada who pushed for funding the earlier UFO program when he was the majority leader, said he believed that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved materials should be studied. Quote, after looking into this, I came to the conclusion that there were reports, some were substantive, some not so substantive, that there were actual materials that the government and the private sector had in their possession, Mr. Reed said in an interview. That's that's the whole quote from the article. But like I just read that because look, you have all of these people now. You have this scientist who has contracted to work on the, the Pentagon UFO program. You have Luis Elizondo, who was like in charge of ATIP for 10 years. You have the former Senate majority leader saying this stuff publicly. And, you know, the U.S. Navy saying, yep, those are unidentified, you know, aerial phenomenon. It's like it's a whole new era in I don't know. I don't want to say public consciousness about this stuff because it's been, you know, pervasive in, you know, pop culture and you know, et cetera, for years. But like the fact that this, the stuff is coming out is just really wild to me. Um, yeah. And that's the thing too, because that, uh, what is it? The TTSA, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're just scrolling down, obviously you have Tom DeLonge as one of the co-founders, but if you go down through everyone else, you know, on the board and stuff, there are some legitimate people like Jim Semivan, Who's a co-founder? Twenty-five years as operations officer for the CIA, Directorate of Operations. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these people have uh, long careers in intelligence and Department of Defense things, and they know their stuff. But they're it's that's not a military thing, so they don't necessarily have to be as hush hush and classified as the actual government. So it's it'll be really cool to see. Well, true. Yeah, I mean, about. you could say that for sure. Um, so just a couple other things, uh, I want to get into before we, before we kind of wrap up, which are some of the most interesting things, I think, in terms of implications and what this all means. So 
there's a guy who works uh, for the um, To the Stars Academy named Dr. Hal Putoff, H-A-L for the first name and last name, P-U-T-H-O-F-F. And he is in a video that the To the Stars Academy put up on their YouTube channel called How to Scientifically Test and Analyze Potential UAP slash UFO Material. And he – I mean this is – this guy is a scientist, right? And he goes through very specifically what the steps are that they would take with any like material that they might have from a UFO to test it and figure out, you know, A, if it really is some type of – you know, to figure out what it is to make sure that it's – to like rule out like is it like a catalytic converter from a Cadillac you <laughs> right. know, or like is it is it something that is man-made? Uh, or is it some naturally occurring substance that, you know, came up yeah. out of the ground and somebody could thought it, it was could from it possibly be uh, amalgamation of um, yeah. different but, I mean, materials we're familiar with? Or is it something completely new? Right, right. And then he even goes, you know, further in through the process in terms of like, OK, if it's he talks about a lot of considerations, what it might mean and like what the steps are in terms of, you know, figuring out what to do with this material and what it is. And it's like. It's not just some like two minute YouTube video that's like super vague. <laughs> it's really specific. It's really super interesting. I would encourage anybody that's interested in this kind of stuff to go check it out. Um, you can just you can just go on YouTube uh, to the to the stars YouTube channel, or you can just Google how to scientifically test and analyze potential UAP slash UFO material, and you'll find it. Um, I'll probably put the link in the show notes as well. Yeah, and this video is not to be confused. Uh, with another popular video done by a flat earther where he's trying to disprove globe earth and prove flat earth. But in the end, uh, his experiment does nothing but prove uh, globe earth. Well, you know, uh, I, my theory has always been that it's the, the aliens that are trying to make us believe that the earth is spherical right. uh, and not flat. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, flat earthers are, uh, uh, in my opinion totally deluded mm -hmm. uh well this is this is not even opinion they're just they're just they're just bad shit um and what, what's the documentary called where about the flat earthers oh which one where, like it basically ends with them doing this big experiment to try and prove the earth is flat but they like accidentally prove that it is round and it, yeah. it kind of ends on them going like uh well uh, huh <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I'm not uh, sure the name of it. My internet's acting weird, so I can't Google right. Yeah, now. no worries, no worries. But uh, um, yeah, okay. If, uh, anyone believes in flat Earth, we kind of not like to hear. From I just, you. I just have no patience for the flat Earthers. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just so. I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. Maybe we'll do an episode on that one day. But I just <laughs> can't. I just can't right now. Okay, so the last uh, source uh, that I think I want to talk about. And there's plenty to talk about is so this guy, Eric Davis, Eric W. Davis, who was uh, the astrophysicist who worked as a subtractor and consultant for the Pentagon UFO programs. So there is this great interview with him on YouTube from the New York Post. OK, and it's called um, Eric Davis on working for Pentagon UFO program. Uh, it's it was uh, May 27th this year, 2020. So this this actually happened. So if that was May 27th, that happened a month after the the DOD authorized the official release of those three videos and confirmed that the footage is not only real, but that those are actually UAPs in them. Right. So it happened after that. But before that uh, Senate uh, report got written. 
So encourage everybody to read it. I think it's like 15, 14, 15 minutes long. But also mentioned in that interview is the AAWSAP, or OSAP, Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Applications Program, which he was also part of, uh, which is, uh, they say, reportedly, this describes a contract awarded by the U.S. government to create scientific reports for ATIP, A-A-T-I-P. And so he talks about a lot of really cool stuff in there. He talks about there's a segment where he talks about like, look, one of their goals is to use everything they uh, have learned and are learning from their examinations of these materials and videos and whatever the heck else they have that's still classified to try and create by 2050 some type of aircraft that would have the same maneuver, you know, maneuvering capabilities as the Tic Tac object that was in the, the Nimitz video, right? That's really interesting. Now he talks about – this is another really interesting thing because we covered in our previous UFO episode how there were like reports that ATIP had been disbanded and then Mr. Elizondo was on CNN saying, no, it wasn't actually disbanded. It, it continues in some form, but like I can't talk about it because it's still they went classified. That was last year. Yeah. But basically he talks about like – he's like, look – Funding was discontinued for the ASAP because basically the relevant committees in Congress were only briefed on like certain aspects of it because some of it was like so super classified, you know, that that they didn't want to put that in like a, a committee meeting. And then not only did they not understand the things that were presented, but like the uh, the things that they were allowed to see, like they just considered a waste of money. So they discontinued funding. Okay, and then he talks about how, like, he backs up what Elizondo was saying last year, and he's saying that, like, look, ATIP never ended, but it did end up with a new name and a new location and new leadership, but he can't tell us the details. Uh, and that is the new task force that was described in the uh, the Senate, um, the, the, the task force, the UAP task force. Right. So that was really interesting. So here here's another interesting thing that he said. And then we're going to discuss. I'm almost done with this summary and then we're going to discuss. OK. He also said, oh, by the way, my boss, when I was working on these projects, was Dr. Hal Putoff, who's the guy we just mentioned in the, the To the Stars Academy video, right. who's talking about their process for like examining UFO materials. Right. And he said, yeah, he was my boss and he reported to. Elizondo at the Pentagon during the ATIP era. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Now, Dr. Putoff is an American engineer and parapsychologist. So he would investigate things uh, for the the government, like like everything from UFOs to like psychic phenomenon. Right. Right. And he co-founded the To the Stars Academy with Tom DeLonge. So I just thought that was super interesting and shows sort of the, the interconnectedness of the you know, officials oh, in yeah. this community. Like a lot of the people in the TTSA, well, not a lot, but at least some of them are actually involved with the government's classified, you know, undercover experiments and stuff like that. So they kind of have information from uh, the classified era and they're using what they know in TTSA. So it's going to be real interesting to see how they deal with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the last 
part of this that I just wanted to mention before we discuss further is there's this great moment in the interview where the guy from the post asks him like straight up, are you guys still investigating UFOs at the Pentagon? And he gives a pretty direct answer. So I want to play this uh, for everybody right now, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss this whole uh, this whole thing. So are you are you guys still investigating UFOs at the Pentagon? Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, of course. They they never went away. They never went away, Steve. They're still there. They're still coming up and causing uh, aviation havoc because they're getting in the middle of uh, military aviators' uh, operations, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous for those pilots. I'd say, I'd say it's fairly definitive. <laughs> fairly definitive. I mean, it's, it's pretty brief. Right. Yeah. But that is a really clear answer. I mean, there's no there's no like double speak. There's no like I'm going to like try and hedge what I'm saying so that it could be ambiguous and mean this or that. He's like, yeah, the guy comes out and says, are you still investigating UFOs at the Pentagon? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, you can say <laughs> yeah. that. They, yeah, they, they never, never went, away. went away. We're doing it. This is still <laughs> happening. Yeah. You know, so I just thought that was fascinating. So, okay, so based on that and this other stuff that, you know, that I was just mentioning from this uh, this interview and people, folks listening to this podcast, like if you're interested in this topic, do yourself a favor and listen to this interview with Eric Davis on working for the Pentagon UFO program in the New York Post video on YouTube. I'll put the link in the in our show notes. It's like really, really fascinating. A lot of stuff he says in there. So what are your thoughts on this? I, you know, it's always been a question of what, where, how, why. It's like, I, I want more. I want to know, yeah, they're still doing the research. What research? What exactly are you doing? You know, it's, it's hard to come to it, but it's, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's like you know that the government's looking into this stuff. They have people who are on this. So the fact that they're actually coming out and publicly saying that, you know, they're showing these videos and declassifying or whatever and speaking more openly about UFOs and the research, I think it, like I said, I hope to see something come out of it soon. It's you know? it's just so fascinating to me. I mean, it's been this long running mystery, right? Like ever since, you know, at least ever since Roswell and probably before where UFOs really got into popular consciousness and, you know, so many reports of close encounters and abductions and like all of this stuff. And then, you know, it, it becomes this big mystery and then the government denies everything. And then you have shows like the X-Files that really ramps up the <laughs> speculation in certain quarters. And like, yeah. and now, and now all this that we've been talking about for like the last hour, right? Yeah. And I, ho I hope their research and the science they're putting into it is... A little better than how they've been studying eggs. You know, first eggs are good for you, then eggs are bad for you, then eggs are good for you, then eggs are bad. It's like, come on, I know you got someone better on the team. I know it. Come on, give us I, something. I, yeah, I would imagine. And it's like, who knows what is still classified about this stuff? And look, I'm willing to admit that it could be, you know, some prototype from China or, or you know, Russia or whatever. Like, okay, sure. Like, you have to... You have to reasonably say that that's a possibility, but it still doesn't seem like super likely <laughs> based on yeah, I mean, when, what we're when, seeing, you know, when how they, they move. When they figured out how to make that pen that writes upside down underwater, 
Just give me something little like that. This is alien technology in the form of uh, something, you know, mundane, you know, just something cool. Well, who knows if we don't already have that, you know. That's right. If they've been working on these materials for years and things like that. And, you know, one of the things that Eric Davis also mentions in this uh, video is the, is some of the unclassified papers that he's written for this program because, you know, he like he talks about how he worked on, you know, the 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 research on and engineering for things like gravity drives and warp drive and just other propulsive uh, or other, you know, propulsion methods that could maybe, you know, at least in theory, get us to the point where we could create spacecraft or, you know, craft that are able to, you know, move in the ways that we've witnessed these things moving, right? And so uh, I think he even did, I think he even says he did a, uh, like a, like a paper on like um, wormholes or something, hmm. which, which sounds, you know, pretty out there. And a lot of that stuff is just, just theoretical, but like they have to like try and figure out like some theoretical explanation for what we're seeing. You got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Okay. So th this is a lot. And there's, there's probably a little conversation we have left in us for this, but I think we should start to wrap up. And, uh, you know, if a new topic comes up and we want to say it, we can do that. But let's just start to wrap up here. So, like, what well, are I your had, thoughts uh, about – yeah. Oh, sorry. I had a couple basically – they're more like uh, current UFO news, current space news. Oh, hit me, hit me. Have you heard about the uh, two girls in India who have discovered a meteor hurtling towards Earth? I did, and I uh, can you uh, try and pronounce their names? Because I certainly can't. Oh, no, I didn't even write them down. But uh, uh, kudos to them. Good job. Once the NASA and whoever's in charge of verifying its orbit or whatever uh, is done, they'll be able to actually pick a name for it. But, you know, every couple years you hear a, a meteor's coming. It's going to kill us. It's going to wipe out life on the planet. And turns out this one we really don't have to worry about because it's not gonna come near Earth for about a million years. It's coming towards us from around Mars. Yeah. Uh, it's currently named HLV 2514. And when it does get here in a million years, it'll be about 10 times further away from the Earth than the moon is. So who knows? Maybe our children's 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 children's, you know, future children's. Uh, we'll be able to see it in the sky, but yeah, uh, to me the the really the most noteworthy part of this this story is the fact that two high school students <laughs> discovered yeah. this asteroid. Like that's crazy. That's that's amazing. I mean, those two uh, young ladies have a bright future ahead of them, hopefully. And I'm gonna try and pronounce their names right now because I they really deserve the credit. And uh, if by some astronomical chance, uh, they or anyone they know end up listening to this, then, you know, I really apologize for butchering the pronunciation. However, um, but you can come on and show us how to pronounce your name properly. Yes. Yeah. We would, we'd be thrilled Love to, hear. to bring you on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, their names are, uh, Redhika Lakhani and Vaidehi Vikaria. Uh, Sounds and good. My goodness, I'm sorry if I, uh, to the extent that I uh, mispronounced those, but you you deserve the recognition. So so yeah. what was the other item that you wanted to bring, Tara? Uh, we got a couple more. There was uh, a recent launch. Um, we had another shuttle go off, and it's headed to Mars with a new rover called uh, the Perseverance rover. Uh, I don't know yes. if you heard about that, but it's uh, currently 
in route to Mars. It'll be there in about seven months. I think this just took off like last week or two weeks ago. Maybe within a well, within the last month. And it's going to be landing in the... Length of your standard road trip. Yeah, it's going to be landing in the Jezero Crater. And this one, actually, they have extra cameras on it. It's got like a computer brain. I don't know exactly what that means. But they're also, for the first time, sending it with uh, like microphones and recording, like audio recording stuff. So they'll be able to hear Mars. Fantastic. I've always wanted to hear Mars. Yeah, it'd be interesting because the atmosphere is so thin compared to Earth. Like, I wonder... right? And you always hear about all those, uh, you know, the scientists will point like a telescope or something at a planet, and they can listen to the sounds coming from the planet. And every planet has its own different sound, and they're all kind of strange and creepy, kind of like the sound uh, from the Vast of Darkness, which was a fantastic show we covered. The Vast of Night. Vast of Night is what I said first. Um, with different words. Um, but yeah, they, you know, encounter that sound coming over the phone lines and that it sounds kind of like some of those sounds you hear from the planets when they're looking at them like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, we also earlier today, as I was uh, looking this up, I just got curious about UFO activity around me. And oh, yes, it, it kind of blew my mind. If you are into UFOs and uh, curious about what's going on out there, there's a couple resources you can use. One of them is uh, MUFON, obviously the uh, Mutual UFO Network, which is basically the oldest, what is it, civilian? I was reading somewhere. It's the oldest and largest civilian UFO organization. It's been in existence since 1969. Mm-hmm. And has made some guest appearances on the X-Files, by the way, Right. <laughs> now that I remember it. And one of the quotes uh, I read about MUFON uh, was MUFON tries to identify or not identify an object. They don't skip to the conclusion, well, it must be from outer space. When people say these objects are alien spacecraft, it is purely conjecture. Uh, but there's MUFON, and then there's another one called New Fork, which is the natural, National UFO Reporting Center. And both of these, like when people see something in the sky, you know, They'll report it to the local police or whatever, and you, you can also report it to both MUFON and New Fork. And if you get on their web pages, you can see very detailed reports of, you know, they'll get reports from here, reports from there, reports from here. And they'll kind of tie them all together and find out, oh, these are all part of the same thing. Uh, like there was uh, in Wednesday, November 20th, 2013, I believe. But they have, uh, beginning in Montpellier, Vermont, at 1,730 hours, 1,730 hours, a witness claims one bright light visible for a couple of seconds, disappeared for a couple of seconds, reappeared, split into two, disappeared again, then reappeared. And there's like 40 different, you know, witness descriptions of this same type of object. And from 1,730 hours to... 2157 hours so basically from 5 30 in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night um people from vermont all the way to wexford pennsylvania you know over the course of four hours or so witnessed this thing traveling across the country so all these people are looking at this same phenomenon you know 
at different times, and they can piece that all together. Really interesting stuff to get into there. Fascinating. And, and also, I was I live in Ohio in the middle of cornfield, as we know, and I just looked up uh, UFO reports Ohio. And so far in 2020, which is the year uh, we are currently in, um, there have been 328 reports of UFOs or UAPs Jeez. just in Ohio. That's so, that's nuts. That's way more than I would have guessed. Yeah, exactly. And you get on there and you see that and it lists. They have it like broken down by state, which states have the most, which states have the least. And uh, Idaho is the highest in sightings with Texas being the lowest. I mean, so I'm going to I'm going to assume that there are some number of those that while ground-based uh, civilian observers have not been able to identify them, they probably do have some type of uh uh you know, earth-based explanation whether right. they are military or, you know, a balloon who who knows, you know. Yeah. Uh Venus reflecting off of swamp gas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, seriously, I mean, like, okay, sure, but then that does leave some of those that could be actual UAPs, you know, when you get down to it. So, right. But that, that is really interesting. I mean, that's that's a huge number that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, there's another uh, site I stumbled on. Doesn't really like have a splash page that I saw, but uh, it's called ArcGIS. But anyway, uh, it's. ARCGIS.com, and you go in there, and they have this map of the United States that you can zoom in. It's kind of like Google Maps. You can just zoom right in, and there's a little pin, you know, a little pin mark on the map for every different sighting. And when you mouse over and click on it, eight red lights approaching from south, heading northwest. And you can zoom into every state and just get a quick little thing, and you can see. Wow. There's a there's a lot of stuff going on there. And That's says, really cool. I did not know that resource existed. Yeah, and from what I can see, there's a thing on the bottom where you can go from January 1st, 1997, but it only seems to go up to January 1st, 2015. Hmm. So I'll have to do I like I just stumbled upon this about 20 minutes before we started recording, so I'm going to have to check more into that because it is it's kind of weird because when I lived out in Nevada, uh, they have earthquakes out there all the time. And you can get on the U.S. geological website or whatever and pull up a map of the area, and it shows, oh, there was 40 small earthquakes within 10 miles of where I live yesterday. <laughs> you know, and that kind of blows your mind. And then you get on here, and it's like, oh, there's been 500 uh, alien sightings within 20 miles of where I live, you know, in the Crazy, past yeah. 10 years or whatever. So it's a really cool thing to get in and kind of lose your... Lose your brain for a bit. Yeah. Well, since we're – that's really interesting. Now, since we're well over an hour and a half at this point, uh, we need to start wrapping up. Mm -hmm. uh, what what would you say your you know your final comments are about all this stuff that we've talked about today? Oh, like I said, I want more. I want to see something. I want to see something, especially now that everyone uh, and their brothers walking down the street with a camera in their hand. I refuse to put any validity – in 90% of the sightings, you know, that you hear about in current times that don't have, you know, 500 people recording it on their iPhone. <laughs> right, right. You know, like I said, I mentioned this, I think, in the last uh, podcast we did about it. You should be able to have so many angles 
on this stuff. You can do a Matrix-style bullet time, you know, three-dimensional <laughs> showing of this UFO flying yeah. from the Pacific to the Atlantic, you know, in one unbroken video stream. It's really kind of unacceptable that people aren't whipping their phones out quicker and that kind Well, I think of... a lot of these things, especially the ones, you know, in the videos that have been released and, you know, confirmed is like that's taking place like over the ocean, like, you know, tens of thousands of feet in the air. So can't be right. too disappointed uh, that people aren't recording it with their iPhones and stuff. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of people these days looking up into the skies and we got a lot more technology than we did when we were youngins. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what I said. I just want to see some more because yeah. there's no way if something really weird is in the sky and people are looking up and captured on video, there's no way they're going to ever be able to shut down all those videos. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, for my part, I, I, you know, I really am interested to see what comes out of this as well. Like I will be paying close attention to whenever that you know, unclassified report comes to the Senate 180 days after, you know, the the fiscal thing gets enacted. Right. That's going to be real interesting. You know, when that happens, we probably ought to do another episode, honestly. Yeah. Now we should <laughs> so, just do a quarterly uh, space themed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. But I mean, it's it's just really fascinating. There's so it's still so mysterious, though. Right. And like, yeah, OK, mm -hmm. so the options seem to be, OK, it's aliens it's some weird natural phenomenon that we have like no handle on right now or you know it could it's, be like the russians or the chinese, the chinese or it could be the united states for that matter uh, or india like it could be super, anyone out there well sure you know? you know so who knows you know i i think there's definitely an argument to be made for any one of those at this point with the amount of information that we have publicly available. But uh, yeah, I really hope that this is, as Mr. Elizondo has said, like a new era of transparency for these matters. That would be really cool. And I hope, you know, I really do hope that it doesn't become super hush hush again after, right. you know, uh, the next election or something yeah. like that. Um, it's like we, we know exactly what we know and what we know is that we don't exactly know what we know. You know. And that, yeah, and that I think is the perfect place to end. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to thank everybody so much for listening to our show. Uh, we we do have a number of episodes planned, and we should be getting back to uh, more, you know, consistent uh, releases um, every week or every other week. And uh, this has been really fun today. Uh, if you have a moment, please go and give us a five-star review and or rating at Apple Podcast or the podcast platform of your choice. Um, I think we already mentioned all the, you know, all the uh, social media links and stuff, but do you want to lay that out again? Yeah, I'll quick, throw them just... out again for our faithful listeners who don't take notes during the show. Um, those would be the terrestrials, extra or non. All of you are welcome to listen. Uh, and you can listen to us, as uh, Will mentioned, on Apple Podcasts. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, anywhere else. Uh, give us a five-star thumbs up whatever give us a review um we're on facebook at mecha dragon twitter and instagram at mecha dragon show and again if you uh have a story to tell about ufos if you are involved with the government and know some classified information you're willing to leak to fellow civilians uh hit us up at mecha dragon show at gmail.com or if you're just two girls from india who discovered an asteroid that's going to wipe out uh, life somewhere, but luckily not here. Get in touch with us, and if you do, if you do meet any intelligent life that's decidedly not of this earth, uh, wear a mask. 
Keep your masks on, people. Stay safe out there. Or stay safe out there. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Fantastic. And did you say Mecha Dragon at Gmail or did you say Mecha Dragon Show at Gmail? I. Which is what it is. I read Mecha Dragon Show at Gmail.com with my brain, but I can't remember what my mouth said. Okay. Well, it is Mecha Dragon Show at Gmail.com. It could be that you're breaking up in my headphones or something, but I just wanted to mention it just in case. And yeah, thanks again, everybody. This is Captain Will signing out. Peace. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.